One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f? Are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees, promo rate for new customers for a limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. I live in a very rural part of northern New Jersey in Sussex County. Behind my property and to the left of my house is all forest. There are a few trails. Next door to me is a protected wilderness area where you can't build on it. Every once in a while, I would take my son in his little wagon and would set up on the clearing and have a little picnic. We were playing a few feet up before you go into the woods. So we're playing on the little clearing, and he starts to mimic the sounds that he hears. For instance, the neighbor's dog, birds, etc. He mimicked the sounds around us like the squirrels running by and the chipmunks. All of a sudden, I turned around to get him some fruit salad or whatever we were eating that day, and out of the corner of my eye, I see him just stop. He's saying, Mom, Mom, but he's staring away, not looking at me. He's looking into the tree, and he's pointing, but he's not blinking. I turned around. I asked, What do you see? Do you see a birdie? Then it hit me. There were no sounds. He starts walking into the woods, but the whole time he's looking up. He's still not looking where he's going and pointing up into the tree. The only movement I see besides my son are leaves rustling in the trees. Then I see it, and it's like heat rising up off the concrete on a sunny day. But it's in the tree, and it's like crouched down. 
One arm is out to the side, and its knees are bent. Immediately I feel this thing's glare burning into me. Then I hear the clicking sound. As soon as his eyes snapped to me, my son looked at me and freaking panicked. It literally had the shape of a humanoid. It's so hard to explain because it was humanoid. Like but the way it was crouched reminded me of a praying mantis. My son is then mimicking a clicking sound that this thing was making. I grab my son and we run back to the house. All the food and everything is left in the woods. I told my friend about what we experienced that evening. He went back into the woods and gathered my belongings. He stayed in the woods for about an hour, telling me later that he did not see or hear anything unusual. That was six months ago. It is now February 2023. I have read a few Glimmer Man reports from others online. When I go outside during the day, I occasionally hear those same clicking sounds coming from the wood. At night, while in bed, I hear the faint clicking sounds emanating from the deep woods. I believe that this glimmer man is stalking us. I asked my neighbors if they heard the strange clicking sounds. They have not. Maybe I'm only allowed to hear them. I will keep you updated. Okay, so I have this story that happened to me and my friends. To set the scene, we were on a Boy Scout camping shooting trip. There were 20 to 30 of us. We were in a little cabin thing with windows. On the front and back, in a front and back door, they were wooden tables all around the area. The adult cabin was about an eighth of a mile down a gravel road. In the dark, there was obviously a buddy system because it's Boy Scout. So it's around midnight and everyone had been telling scary stories just like a normal camping trip. Well, I had to go to the bathroom and ask my friend to come along. He said sure and he got our knives. We knew that there were bears in the woods and it made us feel safer. Well, we went to the bathroom and began our walk back. This is where it got scary. I felt an instinctual fear. I looked to my friend and he had the same look as me. We began to walk just a little bit faster and unfold our pocket knives. I then turn around and see it. It looked similar to a cat, but it was roughly six feet tall and was on its hind legs, and was on its hind legs kind of hunched over. I freaked the hell out and started running. My friend sees it too. When we sprint back to the cabin, it began making a moaning, howling noise and followed us very closely. We pound on the door, and the guys let us in. We tell them what we saw, and they actually believed us. So we locked the front door and looked at the back door. It had no lock. We pushed a table up against it and had a kid there with his knife for safety. We drew the blinds on all the windows that had them. One of them didn't, and we sat there with all the lights on. Then we see the eyes outside of the windows without blinds. We are all ourselves and the thing slowly walked to the back door. We heard it bumping up against it, maybe trying to open it. We think it then left, but we still thought we were going to die. No one slept that night, and when the adults came to wake us up, we told them, and they just laughed and said we were making it up. We know it happened even if they didn't believe us. My name is Jane Elizabeth Harrison. 
a devoted scholar of ancient cultures and a tireless seeker of obscured truths. The Pacific Northwest has always held a captivating allure for me. Its verdant forests, majestic mountains, and powerful rivers seem to carry whispers of ancient tales where the echoes of the past blend seamlessly with the rustle of the present. On a recent expedition, I stumbled upon a most intriguing discovery. It was a script not merely written, but etched into the very stone of a secluded cave. The ancient narrative it unveiled was a chilling tale steeped in the rich tapestry of the region's Native American history. The tale unfolded with a brutal battle waged between two formidable tribes. The victors, a tribe renowned for their indomitable warrior spirit and keen tactical acumen, triumphed over their rivals. The vanquished tribe's settlement was ransacked, their possessions seized as trophies of conquest. Among the stolen treasures was a unique totem, an artifact of exquisite craftsmanship, imbued with an aura that seemed to hum with an unseen power. Elated by their victory, the triumphant tribe returned to their encampment. The stolen totem, their prized possession, their chief, a figure of formidable authority and unwavering courage, was particularly captivated by the totem. The script suggested it was said to house trapped spirits, but the chief, dismissing this as mere folklore, audaciously released the spirits within, a spectacle to entertain his victorious warriors. The jubilant victory feast, however, quickly gave way to a mounting dread. Grotesque apparitions began to haunt the tribe, their once tranquil nights transformed into a theater of horrors. A creeping madness subtle at first began to sow discord among the tribe members. Their once fearless chief, a paragon of strength and resolve, was tormented most of all. The spirits he had so recklessly unleashed had reduced him to a shadow of his former self. With the grim realization of his catastrophic mistake, the chief sought to rectify his error. Gathering a band of his bravest warriors, he embarked on a perilous journey back to the defeated tribe's territory. His intention was clear, to return the totem to its rightful place and make amends, hoping to placate the restless spirits and lift the curse that had plagued his people. The script, however, chronicled a tragic conclusion. Despite the chief's valiant efforts, he and his warriors never returned. His tribe, beset by the relentless hauntings and the insidious madness, gradually vanished. Their once bustling settlement was reduced to a desolate ghost town, a chilling testament to their fatal arrogance. As an archaeologist, this tale resonated deeply with me. It underscored the profound significance of respecting the traditions and beliefs of others. The tribe's downfall was a direct consequence of their haughty disregard for the sanctity of the totem. Their story, forever etched in stone, now serves as a dire warning to future generations, a poignant lesson in humility and respect. This story takes place about four months ago when I scoffed at the existence of mysterious creatures unknown to science. At night, I was investigating odd sounds I was hearing. I looked around the area and found large claw marks on a tree. 
I concluded that this was a prank until I heard an ear-piercing shriek. I looked up and suddenly a reptilian creature flew above me. I quickly ran after it, but it disappeared into the night sky. Ever since, I've been hunting this beast, hoping to catch it. It was about the size of a tall human. Any idea what this creature could be? What should I use to lure it in? So I've seen a good amount of strange and unexplainable things in my life, but the most recent one happened after I last moved across state. I was in the habit of taking late-night walks, and everybody who does the same usually has a story of something interesting that they've seen. But one night I was walking along a jogging path, on one side a bunch of housing areas, and on the other a large open field with woods on the other side from me. To give you a picture of this, there's short street lamps all along this path and a good ways ahead are a few house with the woods mentioned before running behind them, the woods being on my left side. The fence goes to them, then goes left, as does the path. When I was just about nearing them, I saw a creature start running towards the woods from the corner of the fence. From where I was, it looked like a hairless, tailless, small humanoid that ran on all fours. It ran similarly to how a monkey or chimpanzee would run. Now we have plenty of foxes in that area. It was roughly the size of one, and I was a good distance away from it. But when it got into the woods, I heard all sorts of twigs and branches snapping really loudly, something a fox wouldn't do. From what I saw, it was sort of a peach or paler skin tone. I wasn't scared, more of just confused as to what I had just witnessed. It happened last year, just before winter, and I haven't seen it since. This was in Missouri, if anybody is curious. I had recently divorced and decided to clear my head with a canoe camping trip. I planned to camp out for a few days and be picked up by my brother 12 miles downriver. This normally would have been an easy, leisurely trip, but my canoe should have been retired years ago. I drove out to my launch point, locked up my truck, unloaded the canoe, and took off, knowing I would hit some small rapids a couple miles downriver. When I did reach the rapids, my canoe started taking on water. Between trying to bail water and navigate the rapids, my canoe overturned and I was carried downstream. All I know is that shortly after overturning, I blacked out. I don't know how long I was unconscious, but when I came to, I, I felt something pulling on the shoulders of my life jacket. My vision was still blurry as I looked up into the face of a very hairy person. When I reached up to touch my head, it came back bloody, and my ankle felt a stabbing pain with every jostle. The hairy person pulled me to shore and left me alone under a tree. I was scared not of this hairy person because it seemed clear that it meant me no harm, but because I was right in the middle of grizzly and cougar country badly injured with no way to protect myself. I started calling weakly for help shivering and moaning in pain. It wasn't long before the hairy person appeared again, carrying a spear-like branch and several others. I didn't have the strength to sit up, and my body felt like it was slipping into a warm slumber. 
I heard some loud splashes all around me, and a fragrant smell reminiscent of honey nut Cheerios came up around me. I also heard a sound near my head like that of a splat ball hitting the floor, and the strong odor that wafted toward me made it clear what they were doing. They were marking their territory. The warm fog of sleep finally overtook me, and I slept. When I woke up, the honey nut Cheerio smell was replaced with a strong ammonia odor. The fragrant territory marker by my head wasn't the only one. There were similar markers surrounding me as well near me. It was a small fire and a pile of wood, a pile of berries, and a crude clay bowl filled with water. Several hours must have passed because night had fallen and the forest behind me was dark. I was cared for, but alone. I felt battered and exhausted, but I knew that I needed to stay alert that night. I could hear movement in the forest behind me. A cougar appeared. It came closer, but it didn't try to get much closer than about ten yards. A bear appeared later, and it sniffed the air and turned away as well. The behavior of the wildlife made it clear that the territory markers were for my protection, and I made sure to stay within that area that night. I took short sleeping breaks throughout the night, trying to rest as much as I could. When I woke around dawn the next day, I saw my sleeping bag and backpack next to me. The sleeping bag was dry in the stuff sack, but my backpack was wet. I had some non-perishable foods and a first aid kit in there that were still good to use, and I got busy cleaning my wounds and eating a granola bar. I felt I had some of my strength back. I needed to ration my food before I tried to hike back out with my swollen purple ankle. As the sun rose higher in the sky, one of the hairy humans appeared and looked at the gear surrounding me. This time I was alert, and I took a close look at my caretaker. This one looked to be a male, and while it fit the description of what people called Bigfoot, I can't bring myself to call them by this name. These hairy humans were clearly intelligent, and to call them Bigfoot, the great North American ape, felt like an insult to this intelligence. His eyes settled on my knife, and he gestured toward it. I handed it to him, and he turned it over in his massive hands, looking at it closely. He stopped looking and handed the knife back to me, but I, I pushed it back toward him. I wanted him to have it, and considering the spear the other one had, I figured it, it would be useful to him. Out in the forest, the one with the spear returned and started speaking in quick, deep-sounding utterances to my caretaker. They locked eyes with me and pointed upriver. I looked in that direction and pointed that way as well, and they grunted at me when I turned back to them. They were already striding back to the forest, and they were gone. I was sitting in the fragrant circle for a while, waiting to see if they would return. Then I heard voices coming from the river. Before I could gather the strength to stand, people in an inflatable raft came into view. I yelled for help. I yelled that I was hurt, pointing to my head and ankle. They quickly paddled to the shore. They loaded me into their raft, and I left my gear behind during the extraction trip. My rescuers asked me about what happened. I told them everything except for the hairy humans. It was crazy enough that they saw me sitting among territory piles. I didn't want them to think I'd completely lost my mind. I know my experience was unique compared to what other people have experienced with these hairy humans. Maybe the group I encountered was a more advanced group of so-called Bigfoots. 
But to me, they will always be hairy humans. They rescued me from the river, they fed me, they kept me warm, and they even protected me in their strange way. If that doesn't make them more human than beast, I don't know what will. I'm a long-haul driver and was traveling east on Interstate 8, just east of Fortuna, Arizona. This occurred in mid-June 2017. Having checked the clock, it was 3.45 a.m. when I alerted my partner to the presence of three or four individuals standing in the middle of the traffic lane. Three are sounding the truck horn. I began to slow our rig. Given the fact that the area is well known for human smuggling and is dangerous to travel, I wondered if perhaps we should keep going. But when it became apparent that at least three of the individuals were wearing some kind of uniform, I decided to stop along the right shoulder. Nevertheless, my second driver emerged from the sleeper with the shotgun that we carry. Both of us agreed that neither of us was going to step from the cab, and we kept the engine idling. Three individuals walked slowly toward me, toward the driver's side of the cab. At about fifteen feet, I could tell that all three of them were suited if you will, in some sort of gear. I wondered if the Marines from the nearby Marine Corps Air Station had crashed and were going to ask us for help. As I lowered the driver's window, the shortest of the three bundled in heavy white gear with what looked like white armor around the chest and a partial faceplate that emerged from below the chin said to me in perfect English, not to worry, we have a minor situation. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. He, uh, it, motioned with his left arm toward the distance off the highway. It was strange because neither my partner nor I saw anything as we approached the group, but sure enough, something was putting out intense red flames, maybe 50 feet off the right shoulder from where we were parked. 
Before I could say anything, a triangle-shaped wedge of the landscape to our right, with the flames at the base of the triangle, rose up and sliced through the truck cab. For lack of a better description, I felt like I was looking at some kind of image as it came through the cab. I mean, the individual who spoke to me appeared first on the left side near me and then appeared on the right side, the raised side, then on both sides, which appeared raised. My throat was so dry and my stomach was in knots. Honestly, I felt like I was going to throw up. I figured we had three individuals, two in white, wearing helmets and one who appeared burned or blackened and without a helmet appeared in the image to our right as they made their way around chunks of rock, walking towards our cab. There was a lot of communication, like radio, between them or between somebody. The one who had spoken to me after I had lowered the window now sounded metallic, so I turned once again towards the voice to my left again, toward the open window, and he or it wasn't there. I turned toward my partner in the right front seat who was still cradling the shotgun, but nothing. I mean, it was black. It was perfectly silent. There were no flames off to the right in the distance. Our clock showed 5.15 a.m., and only the entire encounter felt like it had lasted 15 minutes or so. I don't know what to claim. I stopped to assist several entities that appeared to be projected from somewhere, and I still feel nauseous. I'm forwarding a summary of an experience that I and a friend had in August 2010. My friend and associate Kara and I traveled from Columbus, Ohio to Ravenswood, West Virginia on business. While we were there, I wanted to make a side trip to Gallipolis, Ohio, in order to visit relatives I had not seen for quite a while. After our meeting and presentation, we drove on to Ohio Route 7 and traveled south along the Ohio River towards Gallipolis. We had a nice, though brief, visit with my relatives. Around 6 p.m. we left their home and drove a few miles north on Route 7 to check into a hotel near the local airport. Around 7.30 p.m. we decided to get dinner and found a quiet restaurant so we could eat and work. After we finished, Kara needed to go to the store and pick up a few items that she forgot to pack. We headed to a wall, Mart, that was nearby the restaurant. After we finished shopping, we were walking to the car when I noticed a woman running through the parking lot. When she reached her car, she looked back in the direction of the store, then hurriedly got into the car. I quickly looked in the same direction and saw what looked like a large bird flying above the roof of the store. It was difficult to see, but when it swooped downward, the parking lot lights would shine off of it. It looked like it was either oily or had shiny leather-like skin. Whatever it was, it had a wide wingspan. I would guess it reached eight, ten foot across. It circled above the store for about a minute, then just disappeared. We were both somewhat shocked at what we witnessed, but figured that it was just a huge bird. Since it was dark, I figured we had misjudged what it really was. We drove back to the hotel and decided to call it a night so we could get an early start on the drive home in the morning. I got ready for bed, but thought I'd watch some television first. By this time, it was around 10 p.m. or so. 
I must have dozed off fairly quickly because the next thing I remember is frantic knocking on my door. I stumbled out of bed and checked who it was. It was Kira, and she was obviously upset. She rushed into my room and said, It's here. What are you talking about? A little bit perturbed that she woke me up. She said that she was laying on the bed reading when she heard something in the hallway. She got out of bed, walked to the door, and listened to what she thought was a scratching sound. After a few minutes, the sound stopped, so she went back to bed. Not long after she lay down, she heard more scratching sounds, but from outside her window. Again, she got up and peeked through the curtains. This time, something looked back at her. Our rooms were on the second floor in the back section of the hotel and both looked out onto a small parking lot and a large field beyond that. She could see what she described as a bald, ugly man with wings who was looking directly at her with large, bulging eyes that lit up bright red. It was there for only a few seconds. It then spread its wings while running at the same time towards the end of the parking lot and lifted off the ground like a bird. You're kidding, right? I muttered to her. Meg, I swear to God, that thing is out there and it knows we saw it. I knew the only way I was going to get some sleep was to allow Kira to stay in my room. The next morning, we woke early, checked out, and drove back to Columbus. Kara didn't mention the incident from the previous night during the ride. In fact, she has still never said anything else about it. We continue to be good friends and have a very good working relationship, but I got curious. I had never heard about the Mothman or any of the tales associated with it. I grew up in Texas and had only lived in Ohio for a few years. I moved into my mom's house after she had passed away. Her relatives lived throughout Ohio, but I had never been told any of the stories. This is the reason I am writing to you. We were near Point Pleasant, W.V., when we had this encounter. Do you think that it is possible that this was a Mothman? I read some of your posts recently, and I am starting to believe that Kira actually saw something supernatural. In light of the prophecies of danger that this thing is supposed to warn people about, Kira has had some bad luck and tragedy since that day. Her husband suddenly left her. She had a fire in her house, and she severely injured her leg in a fall. Could this be connected? I personally don't believe in predictions, either good or bad. But I will admit that these have been strange times since we witnessed whatever... As an active-duty United States Army soldier, I have to say that life in the barracks can be pretty interesting. You never really know what to expect, and sometimes you just have to roll with the punches. But one particular 24-hour duty shift stands out in my memory as both bizarre and utterly unforgettable. The day had started out like any other, and I was assigned to desk duty, answering phones, and attending to other administrative tasks. With just 17 minutes left in my shift, I was eager to wrap things up and finally get some rest. A few hours earlier, I had stepped outside to salt the stairs as it was snowing heavily. While I was out there, I had propped the door open with a heavy oak chair to make it easier for me to come and go. I should mention that my partner on this shift was away, conducting checks in another building. 
As I finished clearing the snow and salting the ground, I turned around to find the chair flipped upside down. It was an eerie sight, and I couldn't help but feel a shiver run down my spine. I couldn't shake the feeling that I wasn't alone out there, but I decided to carry on with my duties, hoping that the ghost would leave me be if I didn't pay it any attention. When I was done, I found the chair had moved again, this time turned sideways. I addressed the apparent ghost, saying, Okay, Mr. Ghost, I don't want to bother you, but I have to go inside now. I walked back inside, taking the chair with me, determined not to let this strange encounter get the best of me. But things only got weirder from there. Upon returning to the desk, I found an empty trash can placed on top of it, a sight that wasn't there when I left. Feeling slightly unnerved, I spoke to the ghost once more. Look, Mr. Ghost, I get out of here soon. Can you please leave? Then, as if in response to my plea, a black shape darted down the hallway and I heard a whisper in my ear. Yes, at that moment, I couldn't help but freak out internally. All I could do was muster a shaky thank you before I hurriedly returned to watching Community on Netflix, hoping that the distraction would calm my nerves. The remaining 17 minutes of my shift couldn't have gone by more slowly. Every creak and shadow seemed to be magnified, making me constantly question whether my ghostly encounter was truly over. But when my relief finally arrived, I practically sprinted out of there, eager to put the entire ordeal behind me. Good morning, as I sit reading this article, it amazes me that no one caught one of these things yet. I understand that if something with a 25-30 feet wingspan flies past you, you're not going to grab your camera as a first instinct. My son and I saw this monster thing last summer in Mertztown, Pennsylvania. We were parked on the side of the road in a heavily wooded area when this thing casually glided up the road. It looked big enough to carry a full-grown man away with no effort. When the wing flew over the hood of my car, we instantly ducked down. This thing had a round, human-sized head with no beak, hence the term man, bird, and huge bat-like wings. Now, I would never tell this story if it wasn't for my 16-year-old son sitting in the back seat who also witnessed it on that summer day. I'm a pretty capable guy, and not too many things can shake me, but this thing scared the hell out of me. Here is what I saw. The body was five, six feet in length. Easy wingspan was 25, 30 feet easy. No feathers, bat-like skin, jet black, and a four, five feet skinny, rat or dragon, like tail that stuck straight out. This thing didn't fly like a bird. It glided about 10 feet off the ground at a very slow speed. After 50, 75 feet of gliding, it took one huge flap of the wings, never changing elevation, and glided up the road till it disappeared into the woods. I'm convinced this thing lives underground, probably near some sort of hot spring, because it has no feathers. Well, that's my story. Feel free to reply with any questions that 45-second event will forever be etched into memory. I say we find it and catch it. I would love to see it again, up close. It was September 11, 
2010, and my wife and I decided to go bow hunting on Wildcat Mountain north of Estacada, Oregon. We followed an old logging road deep into the forest, enjoying the thrill of the hunt and the beauty of our surroundings. As we ventured further, we spotted an old log in the road that we had seen before, but this time, something was different. The bark had been torn off, and we found several enormous tracks around it that measured 22 by 10 inches. Intrigued, we decided to investigate the area thoroughly before returning to pick up a field research kit. After collecting the kit, we carefully plastered two of the tracks and examined the log more closely. That's when we noticed we weren't alone. A Bigfoot was watching us, and it seemed to be observing us from different angles. The realization sent a shiver down my spine, and I couldn't help but feel a mix of excitement and fear. As darkness began to envelop the forest, my wife and I decided it wouldn't be safe to stay any longer. With the plaster casts in hand, we hurried back to our vehicle and headed home, our minds racing with thoughts of our mysterious observer. The following morning, we returned to the site, hoping to find more evidence of the elusive creature. Unfortunately, a heavy rain had fallen overnight, washing away the remaining tracks and any other clues that might have been left behind. Even though our encounter with a Bigfoot was brief, it's an experience my wife and I will never forget. The memory of that day on Wildcat Mountain continues to fuel our fascination with the legendary creature and serves as a constant reminder of the mysteries that still lurk in the wild places of our world. It was Christmas 1993, and the holiday season had brought my family together for a festive feast. After indulging in a scrumptious dinner, I decided to take a ride with a couple of my young male relatives to enjoy the crisp winter air. Little did we know our peaceful drive would soon take a terrifying turn. As we drove along the quiet road, our headlights suddenly outlined a six-foot creature. It was busy tearing apart a rotted log, apparently searching for grubs. The creature's eyes did not reflect in the headlights, as is often reported in similar encounters. It was a bulky, flat-chested being with muddy and scraggly hair. I noticed no pointed head, but there might have been a crest on the apparent male's head. The creature turned and gave us an angry look that sent shivers down our spines. Just recounting the story at a meeting later made the hair on my arm stand erect. It stared at us for what felt like an eternity before finally taking forceful, strident steps away. It climbed a bench on the hill and disappeared into the timber, having been in view for about 15 seconds. We rushed home, our hearts pounding in our chest. I tried to reassure my nephews by telling them that what we had seen was just a bear, but deep down I knew the truth. It wasn't a bear. It was something much more mysterious and terrifying. During a key and a session after recounting the story at a meeting, I shared more details about the creature. Its nose was somewhat human-like, and its facial features were strong and imposing. Its hands were large, with long, dark, and hairy fingers. The memory of that chilling encounter on Christmas night in 1993 has never faded. It remains a haunting reminder that there are still undiscovered mysteries lurking 
in the shadows of our world. I could still remember the chill that ran down my spine as our helicopter descended into the remote mountain range of the Pacific Northwest. We were an elite Navy SEAL team sent to investigate multiple high-profile disappearances that had captured the government's attention. The locals whispered about ancient legends of Bigfoot, Wendigo, and werewolves inhabiting the dense forests, but we dismissed these tales as mere folklore as we navigated the treacherous terrain. However, we soon realized that our skepticism had been misplaced. The evidence was undeniable. We found ourselves facing off against these terrifying cryptids. Each encounter left us breathless, adrenaline pumping through our veins as we fought for our lives against creatures we had previously believed to be mere myth. We were forced to adapt our tactics and weaponry to battle these legendary beasts while traversing the challenging landscape. Our state of the art military gear proved less than effective against these supernatural foes, and we relied on our wits and resourcefulness to survive. As we delved deeper into the mystery, we uncovered a clandestine organization hidden deep within the mountains. They had been capturing and experimenting on these cryptids, attempting to create an unstoppable army of monstrous hybrids. The horror of their intentions struck us to the core, and we knew we had to act quickly to stop them from unleashing these abominations upon the world. With grim determination, we fought our way through the heavily guarded facility, destroying equipment and liberating the tormented creatures. The cryptids, though fearsome, seemed to understand that we were there to help them, and they fought alongside us against their captors. In the end, we managed to capture the cryptids and cripple the organization's twisted plans. But the victory came at a terrible cost. Twenty of our brothers-in-arms fell in the line of duty, their lives lost to the formidable creatures they had been sent to investigate. As we left the Pacific Northwest, the weight of our losses hung heavily on our hearts. We had stopped a terrifying threat, but the world was now forever changed by the knowledge that these legendary beings were, indeed, real. We mourned for our fallen comrades, their sacrifices a testament to the strength and courage of those who dare to face the unknown. As we returned to our normal lives, the memory of our mission remained etched in our minds. We knew that the world was filled with more mysteries than we had ever imagined, and we carried the burden of our experiences with a newfound understanding of the darkness that lurked just beyond our comprehension.